Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. live welcome back ladies and gentlemen i am your host blake Rafino. this is are you serious sports we hope that you are making it a good one we know that we are as well guys we have a fantastic show in store for you tonight former lsu quarterback and world series champion josh booty stops by the show at 7 15 i want to get his perspective not only yes, we're in the World Series now. The game will be starting again tonight. Game two will be underway from a former World Series champion. That's not what I want to get to a lot with Josh. What I want to talk to him about is what he foresees with these two freshman quarterback coming in to play for LSU as they have a very, very tall task. Also, the great, the legend, Mike Detillier. It's going to be joining the show around at 7.30. We're going to be breaking down some LSU football along with the Saints with him as well. I want to ask Mike, what's going on with the Saints now that they're playing Carolina at home with a couple fans? Former offensive coordinator Joe Brady is going to be coming back to New Orleans. What can we see in this game? Will there be a little copycatting? Could the Saints and the Panthers be a mirror image of one another? So I'm going to be greatly uh, 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 looking forward, I'm greatly looking forward to asking Mike that. And yes, for everybody, LSU, <laughs> we got some big news today, reported by uh, Ross Dallinger of Sports Illustrated. LSU has self-imposed some violations from boosters. The Our Lady of the Lake uh, violations uh, are finally coming down. We'll break that all down before we have Josh Booty and Mike Dettelier. We'll talk to both of them about that as well before we get started everyone joining the show we greatly appreciate it lon phillips he says rafino my guy what's up lon nobody in their mind is going to beat my guy dylan landry nobody is going to beat dylan landry first in the comments on ays 
It's not going to happen. What's happening, Dylan? Nick Goodry says, what's happening, brother? Been busy with life, but listening to the podcast the following day. We greatly appreciate you doing that, Nick, and we are very excited to be partners with our good friends over at Believe. Anywhere that you listen to podcasts, you can get that as well. L.S. Shoe <laughs> says, Devin, stop. Devin, what's going on, brother? We appreciate everyone joining us. But before we get to that, guys, and before we get to the show, as always, we got to get over to our good friends over at GM Varndo and Sons. GM Varndo and Sons has faithfully been serving your Denver Springs and Baton Rouge area for over 62 years. With their highly trained technicians, there's absolutely nothing that they can't do. Drivetrain repair, motorhome chassis, RV repair, tire repair, tire rotations, tire sales. No job is too big or too small over at GM. Give them a call today at 225-664-9992. That's 225-664-9992. And tell them Blake Rafino over at AYS sent you. And guys, as we told you yesterday, we are very, very excited to be of our new sponsorship with our good friend Caleb Woody Clark over at Robinson Brothers Ford. The number one, guys, I'm not making this up. The number one Ford salesman in the state of Louisiana, Mr. Woody Clark. Give them a call today at 225-603-5432. That's 225-603-5432. And don't forget to ask for Woody and see all of their amazing vehicles over at Robinson Brothers Ford or RobinsonBrothers.com. That's RobinsonBrothers.com. Okay, guys, as we know, the big news that's hitting inside of LSU today is the self-imposed, self-imposed violations that LSU is giving among themselves. The most notable, I guess you could say, to everyone outside of Baton Rouge and people that cover and are big fans of LSU is the simple fact. Guys, don't call me during the show. You know I'm on here. Don't be calling the player during the show. What y'all doing? What y'all doing? That's why the camera was a little glitchy. But... As you've seen it nationally with ESPN, Sports Illustrated, and all these different places, the number one thing that they're reporting is, oh my God, Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham is banned from LSU's facilities for two years. He was handing out cash like it's Christmas on your, or or, or, like it's Christmas, like he's Santa on Christmas Eve, y'all. He's handing out cash like your grandma's birthday card. <laughs> but that seems so the eight scholarships that LSU will have to be reduced over the next two years that didn't get the national media attention nope which is a little bit surprising these six weeks that LSU will have to be not being able to I should say talking to recruits no 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 that didn't get the national media attention Odell Beckham After everything that we've learned today from LSU is that Odell Beckham's going to draw. So if you're not familiar, a former LSU booster at Our Lady of the Lake, John Paul Funes, who does follow us on Twitter, by the way, which is kind of weird, was a booster for Our Lady of the Lake. He was an employee there who gave approximately $180,000 to Vidal Alexander's father for a non-disclosure. what I guess you could say here for a no-show job as it's quoted inside 
of these violations from Ross Dellinger. Uh, so this happened, and this is something that I want to make very, very clear because I've seen a lot of comments. I've seen a lot of people asking this. Okay. I've seen a lot of people asking this. Well, Blake, Ed Orgeron should be ashamed of his damn self. Take a step back. This happened at Our Lady of the Lake when Ed Orgeron was not your head coach. Do you want to know who your head coach was? Les Miles. And for one thing that I have not heard anybody talk about is, well, did Les Miles know any of this? Did Les Miles know any of this? We don't know that. Daryl Fontenot, what's happening? Blaine Smith, what's going on, brother? Kyle Marsh, how about them Tigers on the comments on Facebook Live? Josh Rogers, a big Ohio State fan. Handing out cash like LSU schedule, handing out losses? Hmm. No, I think it was like, Josh, how Terrell Pryor was handing out trophies and jerseys for tattoos. <laughs> Joseph says, so how far apart are these scholarship losses spaced out two or three years? It's for two years. To give you an idea why these scholarships aren't the biggest of deals, why it's not a huge, huge issue, number one is because LSU is not going to meet that 85 limit scholarship anyway. Gosh, you had 20 guys last year that went to the NFL. 20. They're sitting around 72, 73 right now. Gold pants, says Josh Rogers. <laughs> But being able to sign 25 people per class is a big deal for LSU moving forward. And for the scholarship reductions, that's not going to be a problem. The issue may lie is for walk-ons. So these guys that are walk-ons who come in and bring up your GPA and want to play football and give you a good look on scout team, they're not going to be able to give you they're not going to be able to give that scholarship away. Essentially, that's what that means. So could LSU be in a little bit of trouble on that route, on the GPA route? Maybe so. But from a scholarship standpoint, from a scholarship standpoint, it's not that big of a deal. Eric Wright says, head coach Les and AD Joe Oliva, yeah, they can kick rocks. They can 100% kick rocks, right? Nobody is asking, nobody is asking, Less miles about if he knew this or not. Now, did the NCAA, NCAA investigate that? I don't know. But as Reginald Cormier says right here, it's not really a big deal. The only thing, Reg, that I think gets me is the six weeks that you cannot talk to recruits. Hey, you know a lot of things can happen in six weeks if you don't go talk to Corey Foreman, who everyone believes that LSU has a very good chance to go and get the number one recruit in the nation out in California. So if, <coughs> excuse me, guys, if Alabama, if Ohio State, if USC, if Oregon can all be talking to Corey Foreman and LSU cannot, from a recruiting standpoint, that's a big deal. Everyone joining the show on Facebook Live, we appreciate you. Go ahead and hit the like and hit the share. Everyone on Twitter, please hit that retweet or Periscope, I should say. And everyone joining us on YouTube, all 77 of you, we greatly appreciate it. Blaine Smith says, Stan Van Gundy, AYS, question mark. The new Pelicans head coach. I don't know how I feel about that, y'all. I really don't know how I feel about the Pelicans hiring Stan Van Gundy. I'm kind of just, 
Meh. Alvin Gentry is about the same, man. I mean, I mean, it's an upgrade from Alvin Gentry. Good deal. They're going to actually have to practice this time. Ryan says, Reginald Cormier recruiting is a big deal, especially if you can't talk to him. True. Reg says, true, but they will find a way. Hell yeah. Yes, they will find a way. Hell, Ed Orsron, I'll send this to Coach O. Coach, you want me to call Corey Foreman and tell him to come to LSU? I will do it, baby. <laughs> we ain't going to get into no violations. I ain't going to be a part of that. You LSU Tiger fans ain't going to come after my big ass. Ain't going to do it. You know damn well they won't lose contact with him. Someone will keep in touch with him under the table. Yes, but I think you understand what I'm saying. Adam Fugate says that on Facebook Live in the comments. You guys know exactly what I'm saying. Joseph says, shit, I'll call him. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I, but before we get to Reg's comment uh, uh, right here, I don't, yes, is it a big deal? Yes. But this could have been a lot, lot worse, y'all. There's a man, uh, uh, Paul Fun- John Paul Funes, who's in federal prison behind this. Now, the thing that's going to be we're going to need to look at is does the NCAA consider this the football infraction and the basketball infractions from a separate instance? That's going to be something that we're going to have to watch out for because you don't want them to lump everything into together and say that LSU as a whole has lost control of the university and that LSU is doing what they want to do. You don't want that to happen. So I'm glad that this is going on. You never want violations. You never want these things to happen. But it's not as bad as as I guess it really, uh, really, really could be. I, I guess and look, a lot of people and there was someone who just hit me up on Twitter. Let me look at. Let me look this up. I forgot the the gentleman's name. Uh, let's see. Forgot the gentleman's name. Let me look it up here because he just sent me something on Twitter right before we came on the show. Uh, Taylor T. At T Trepa two asked me if I can if I could comment on this. He says, Blake, can you please address on your show tonight these people claiming LSU should have their title revoked from 2019 because of Odell Beckham Jr. They're comparing it to Reggie Bush at USC and when they had those violations. Get out of here with that. I saw it too. Get the hell out of here with that. Stop. A man's house was paid for. Like, legitimately, a man's house in Reggie Bush was paid for. The comparison of LSU versus a USC, no, this title in 2019 should not be revoked, y'all. Stop that. Okay, and in just a minute, we're going to be having former LSU quarterback Josh Booty is going to be joining the show Let's get to a couple quick comments. Uh, Alex King says, uh-oh, Blake, it's rant time. You know how this Italian gets. You know how I get. All right, but before, all right, we got Mr. Josh Booty here, but before we get to that, let's get over to our good friend, Mr. John Patton from Area Home Lending. Guys, I've been telling you, and he has been doing so much for us and my family. With all the recent help from the Federal Reserve, it has pushed mortgage rates down to the lowest that they've ever been. Yes, the lowest ever. If you're considering buying a new home, saving money on the mortgage that you have now, or even doing a cash-out refi, the timing has never been better. Get in touch with John Patton and Area Home Lending today, and if you mention AYS, through the end of this month, he's going to send his team out for a free appraisal. With over 15 years of experience, I know that John 
will do the best by you. Give them a call today at 225-663-2500. That's 225-663-2500. And tell them Blake Rafino over at AYS sent you. All right, we have former, the great, the legend, former LSU quarterback Josh Booty is with us. Josh, what's going on tonight, my man? Man, just chilling, getting ready for game two. And how you doing, stud? What's up, brother? Oh, man, we're just trying to make it. Look, I was asked more things when I told the, uh, the people at AYS that you were coming on the show tonight. They said, hey, Blake, it's the World Series. you got to talk, start talking to him about baseball. I was like, okay, okay. We're going to talk some football. But I guess right off the top, man, it's it just, for me, feels like it's just such a good World Series. It's such a great fall classic. Now, you've been in that scenario. What have you seen? And a lot of people thought that the Dodgers would win game one and probably would win the series. But what are you seeing so far? And I know it's only game one, but what have you seen? I like that Kershaw had a good out in game one. I'm not a huge Dodger fan. I, I'm, you know, I kind of like the Rays and the way they got there. Small market team. Uh, kids love to play. A lot of hard throwers. Uh, really top to bottom. Their their rotation and their uh, you know their bullpen is just unbelievable. With young guys who can really you know, run it up there 97, 98, 99 miles an hour. I mean, one after another after another. So it's fun to watch the Rays and a team that, of course, doesn't pay their players or doesn't have the payroll like the Dodgers compete with a team like that. I like that there's, that, you know, there's a team in there that's got an opportunity to make something really, really special happen. So that's fun for me to watch the uh, Tem- uh, Tampa Bay uh, Rays play. I-, I enjoy that type of baseball too. They pl- play small ball with the with the bat, but then they also – throw hard, uh, you know, from the mound. And I, and I like that. You know, you bring up a good point on the, the small ball that they're playing and something that really, I think people knew about it in the baseball world, Josh, but didn't really know about it. Like, for example, my, my uncle has been a head coach in high school for over 30 years. Now, you don't do that in high school, so it's not something that's readily talked about. But when the movie Moneyball came out, it was something that everyone was talking about. You know, you have three players for the Dodgers make up the entire roster of payroll for the Tampa Bay Rays. And you just kind of alluded to it. Are you surprised that a team like Tampa, with the payroll that they have, is able to get to the World Series? Is that in and of itself an accomplishment? Big time. Big time. I mean, you got you got a lot of big market teams out there that, uh, you know, have been around and in the postseason for a long time and seem to always hang around and, you know, and then you see a team like the Rays who uh, are doing it the way like the A's have done it for years and have a real chance to to do something special. And I think that's what's so fun about this World Series is it's, con- it's two contrasts. You know, you got, uh, you know, you do have the Betts and the Bellinger and the, you know, and the, the Kershaws of the world uh, playing on the Dodgers team, making all that money. And then you got all these Rays that are just scrappy and, you know, I, I enjoy baseball, especially in the postseason. I'm not a regular season fan, but, you know, I think it's something that the colleges and high schools can really take a look at when they're recruiting or trying to put their teams together, their squads together, even at the high school level is, you know, what? let's teach these guys how to play baseball. And I think that's what the Rays do. But you talk about the small ball and the bunt and get them over and drive them in and steal bases and doing a lot of different things. You kind of have to have every little key component when you're playing like that, but you have to play together as a team. And there's a lot of teams out there like the Bronx Bombers. You see those guys hit bomb after bomb after bomb. But right. Then, but the day, if their bats go 
quiet. They don't have a way to produce runs, and that's what happened to them in the postseason. They didn't produce runs when normally they do, and then it's like, holy cow, we got all these studs, and then can't get it done. The Rays did it. Don't as a as a Yankees fan, Josh. Please don't remind me of what happened during this during this uh, playoff run. Josh, let's get over to some football because it's been really chaotic here in Baton Rouge lately. Uh, with you know Miles Brennan going down with a very interesting and very weird type of injury, you've started for LSU. You've been in a situation where you're going into your first start. For our listeners, take us there. What is it like? And I know that Death Valley is not going to have a hundred thousand, and you're not going to have that type of atmosphere at a Saturday night in, in Death Valley. But what should these guys expect, and what should fans expect, and really, what's the most realistic? thing that we should expect Saturday from either T.J. Finley or Max Johnson? Well, I hope they play solid. They've got good guys around them. T- Terrence Marshall Jr. is a spectacular <laughs> receiver. I mean, I would get the – I would make – if I'm Ensminger, I'm putting a game plan together where I get get these guys kind of some easy throws under their belt where you're not putting a lot of pressure on them. Hope you you got to run the ball well. And that's one thing that LSU hadn't done as well as they'd like to. And I think if they run the ball well – then they that'll open up some of the big chunk plays or the big pass plays down the field to guys like Marshall. I mean, I, I love our offensive team. Even, you know, Brennan or not Brennan, I think we can still do some fun things. South Carolina is going to be balanced on offense. I think we can do the same thing. I think this is going to be a real competitive game because Muschamp will do some fun things on defense. That he'll make it interesting, especially on a young guy. You know, I, I did get a chance to play as soon as I got there to the, the university uh, and, and, and stepped on the field pretty soon thereafter. And so I played early in my time there. I was a little older because I did play baseball, but, um, you know, I was back new to football. And I'm telling you, when you got, when you have, you know, when you're in the friendly confines of, of a home game environment, especially in Baton Rouge, I don't care if there's 15, 20,000 people or a hundred, <laughs> you still understand you, you've practiced in that place. You've come out of the locker room. You just feel at home. Right. And that's a big advantage, especially for young players. Let's get, one under our belt, and we got two freshman uh, quarterbacks that can play, and I've heard great things about them. I've heard guys rave about them, actually, yeah. even more so than than uh, than Brennan. And Brennan's having a heck of a year, so I, I like I, I like to see young guys have an opportunity. I think with the RPO too, a lot of young guys are are able to play earlier and have success. Like twenty years ago, the guys didn't play early; they really didn't. Right and now. In the NFL, when they make that jump, they can play a little earlier because the emergence of the RPO and how that takes pressure off a quarterback, it really does in this run-pass option-oriented offense and the spread. Get, give them some easy throws. Get them going. Let them feel good about themselves. Well, yeah, and it's so much different from even when I played at Southeastern. Hey, when we're freshmen, we're not going out there, man. Like, Just be understood that you're going to get redshirted, and then maybe one day you'll see your turn. Uh, we have a couple of fan questions inside of Facebook Live. Daryl Fondo says, <laughs> ask Booty if he has any eligibility left at LSU. Time to suit up, boy. <laughs> I wish I could that right arm cooking, baby. I, you know, I still feel like I can play, but uh, I'd probably be uh, it'd probably be a three and out <laughs> scenario, and we'd have to punt, and I'd get off the field and not want to get back in there. But I tell you what, I think. We've got a we've got a great team. We've got to do something on defense. That's really the name of the game. But I mm-hmm. I would love to be playing. I wish I still was. When you see guys like Tom Brady still out there performing at a high level, and I played against him, and I was in Breeze's draft, you're like, man. I mean, these guys have just right. done it well, done it well for a long time. So I'm I'm proud of those guys. 
you you touched on the defense and and something that I was going to ask you because being a quarterback and even me being a, a former center, there are certain things that you see that this defense is is really just struggling with. What have you seen from this defense? A lot of people have put it on Bo Pelini in the scheme, but what are you seeing, Josh, that you think that they have to correct to kind of ride this ship and, and turn things around? To me, they don't get off the field on third down. And I know we had, we didn't have a real good uh, game last week or two weeks ago against Missouri uh, in converting on third downs offensively, but we've got to get off the field. It's like these teams are going up and down the field, moving chains, chunk plays. It's all kind of different. I know it's missed assignments and it's not knowing the defensive scheme well and players out of position and, and all this stuff that can happen to young players who don't have a lot of experience, but we've got a lot of four and five-star athletes out there on the defensive side of the ball. Pelini has to make some serious adjustments and get these guys super comfortable with his play calls. It seems like they're just, they're in no man's land a lot of times. We made that Connor Basilic from Missouri look like John Elway. And it just, <laughs> oh man, I you know, know what I'm saying? So that can't, that stuff can't happen. South Carolina, Colin Hill, he's a transfer from Colorado State, came over with Mike Bobo. This guy's not a special passer. Right. And so so if he looks like John Elway, too, this week, I mean, it's going to be crazy to think how bad, you know, defensively can we really get. We should be able to bottle this guy up this week because he's not a big-time thrower. And uh, we'll see. But, man, so far it hasn't been good. Costello, after that first unbelievable game, has just pretty much, uh, you know, pooped down his leg. <laughs> You're right. You know, I mean, it, it just goes to show you that we, we were not ready defensively to play in any of these SEC games. And when you got 10 of them in a row, that comes on you fast, you know. Well, and, and that's something that, you know, it, it just feels like, too, Josh, that they're playing with no energy on defense, right? Like, we, you know, we have guys at AYS that keeps up some stats with us. 14 missed tackles two weeks ago against Missouri. That's not philosophy. That's just want to. Like, you yeah. have to want to go out there and impose your will. And a couple of people are asking, and Dylan Landry here is asking, ask Booty, hashtag ask Booty, wins losses for this year for the Tigers. I guess going into this game, if LSU is, is able to ride this ship and get a win, do you think that this, it's as simple as this team needing confidence on defense to really make some good things start to happen? I think that'll definitely help. I, you mentioned, you know, they don't really play instinctive and they don't run to the football and we're not putting pressure on the quarterback. There's so many little things. There's three, you know, you have the you have the front line, the defensive line, you got the second level linebackers, then you got the DBs and they always said we're DBU. These guys need to start making plays, but it's hard for them to make plays if they're having to hold the back end so long for those front, you know, those edge rushers and those that that front four uh, or three or four guys to rush the passer. So it's like, you know, defensively, we've got to play a lot better really at every level. And and you can see breakdowns at every level. They've got to be able to run the ball, uh, run to the ball, you know, play instinctively, make those tackles. You said all, you talked about all the missed tackles and then put in a, put in a good quarter, put in a couple of good possessions, then have put in a good half, then put in a good game. And then now we'll talk about the next game and the next opponent because we got some unbelievable opponents coming up. I mean, thank God we didn't have to play Florida, to be honest with you. We weren't ready for, for Trask and that offense and Mullen and what he can do. I think he's a great game day play caller. We'll get him later in the year, which is very good. But I think we've got to be good at all three levels to be 
able to play in some of these games that we're going to play. A&M looks good right now. Uh, they're on a little bit of a roll. Of course, Florida's got great offense. Alabama, Auburn second in the SEC and rushing. So we got some big games ahead of us, and our defense has to step up. I know, and that's a scary thing. I mean, you look at this season, and you're playing all of these SEC games. It's like, God, dog. You know, like you look at Tennessee, who, who's coming off, you know, hey, we're playing a ranked team. Now we're going against – you know, Nick Saban in Alabama, like when do we get a break? And that's something that a lot of teams are going to have to deal with. And I know fans like it because it's very, very engaging and you like seeing highly high competition. But hopefully this week we'll be able to see the Tigers uh, uh, go out there with a victory. We have a couple of fan questions in here. Daryl asked another one. Ask Booty how he thinks he could have fared in last year's offense. You don't want to ask that question. I, I think <laughs> – Monster numbers, too. I mean, Burrow is incredible. And we've seen what he, he's done at the NFL level already in the first four weeks, of the five weeks of the NFL season. He's been incredible. The guy's an absolute gamer. He, uh, you know, he's a leader. He's tough. He's competitive. But I w- we, we used to play in an I formation. You know, we had two receivers. I mean, two receivers, a tight end, and two backs. That's how it was, even in two-minute drill. We didn't have the spread. And I think what we saw last year when Brady came in from uh, New Orleans and helped Innsminger really develop that culture of the passing game, that's something that any quarterback in America would love to play in. Mac Jones is, is doing that with Sarkeesian at Alabama, the offensive coordinator there. And you can see just how well this thing can go if it's a well-oiled machine and you got all the pieces of the puzzle, you know. You're driving a Ferrari when you got a great tight end running back, three great receivers. You're in the spread. You you know it's like SEC defenses aren't able to play or compete with these offenses right now because they're so darn good. And all these specialty guys and all these first round guys that we had last year, or Alabama has this year. It's so much fun to watch. Any quarterback in their right mind would love to play in the system like this, and I think I could do good. Well, <laughs> you know some of the holes that offensive line produced last year. My big butt could have ran through there. Uh, one more question, and, and we'll get you out of here, Josh. Josh Booty's our guest, former LSU uh, quarterback and former Major League Baseball player. You mentioned something there that a lot of these SEC defenses are struggling. And a lot of these SEC defenses aren't, and I'm quoting here from a lot of people, playing up to par. What's going on? I mean, I know that we have a lot of offensive uh, gurus like Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian. I guess you could throw Steve Ensminger, Gus Malzahn in there. But, Josh, to you, What's the problem with all of these SEC defenses? Is our offenses getting better, or is is defense in the SEC getting a little worse? I think there's a lot of different things. I mentioned the RPO. We didn't have spring spring ball. The RPO is hard to defend for backers and and front seven guys. Uh, tackling because of maybe practice schedule and the COVID. Uh, everybody's social distancing still. But the, the emotion of the game, I think, is the number one thing because you don't have 900,000 people in the stadium. Defenses play up to, to, uh, to crowd noise and, and getting fired up. So do special teams. And, and so, you know, the offense likes a quiet environment. They like to work and be able to listen to all the calls that they need to make and the QB uh, is changing plays at the line of scrimmage and identifying players. The defense – with nobody in the stands, it's hard to get really fired up about running the football like they normally do. So I think that's that's a big part of it is the emotion of the game that it comes with playing defense, if that makes any sense. It does. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Josh, at least in my opinion. That's what we've been talking about for the last really four weeks of SEC play. 
and, and I, I think it'll get better as these teams get on the field a little bit more because the talent's there. I think the defenses usually are a little bit farther behind, and I think they'll catch up. Josh, look at here. I mean, you got one of our greats, one of our, our the first people who followed AYS. Booty is always welcome to AYS with these excellent breakdowns. You're going to run me out of a job, Josh. I'm just letting you know right now. Uh, no, man. That's in the – I appreciate you letting me join you guys, and uh, this is fun for me. I love talking LSU. Of course, SEC is awesome. I, I'm just glad we got football this year, even if there's only one-fifth of the fans in the stands. <laughs> going to be back to normal. I can't wait. Yes, indeed. Well, man, you're welcome to AYS, and we'll definitely have to have you on again soon. And Thanks. tell everybody where they can follow you. I know that we're, we're both really good partners that believe, but tell everybody where can they can follow you on Twitter and everywhere else. Yeah, at Josh Booty Ten. So at Josh Booty One Zero uh, on all social media. And yeah, I, of course, I, I talk a lot of football. Post, you know, all kind of different things on there. So yeah, check me out, follow me, and uh, I'll give a winning pick every now and then too if you follow me right. Oh, okay. Well, we'll definitely have to do that. And everyone, go follow him on Twitter. Josh, you've been excellent, and we'll talk again Thank soon, you. my friend. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate Thanks. it, buddy. Have a good Bye. night, former LSU quarterback, Mister Josh Booty on AYS. All right, we're running a little bit late. We got to get over to Mr. Mike Dettelier. Uh, But before we get to Mike, who's going to be breaking down a lot of stuff, and it's going to be amazing, let's get over to our good friends over at the Boston. Guys, with all the experience that these guys have over at the Boston, they have the best seafood, steak, and sushi in all of the North Shore. While in Amy, Louisiana, give them a call and set up a reservation because they're always packed. 748-5555. 748-5555. It's 748-5555. Go see them on Northeast Central Avenue in Amy, Louisiana. Tell them Blake Rafino sent you. And for all of their great deals, go to Facebook.com slash the Boston. Go to Facebook.com slash the Boston Restaurant and tell them Blake sent you in. Okay, let's give Mr. Mike D a call and get him on the show. I'm super fired up for Mike too, man. Super, super fired up for Mike Dettelier. I got a lot of questions I got for Mike. Be- All right, here we go. We're going to get Mr. Mike Dettelier. Hey, Mike. Yes. Hey, Mike. It's Blake Rafino from AYS. What's going on, my man? I'm fine. Thank you. Well, awesome. We just had former LSU quarterback Josh Booty on the show, and we've been talking a lot of football, and everybody on AYS is like, bring in Mike D. Bring in Mike D. So we got him here. And we're ready to go. Mike, I appreciate you joining the show. I guess let's start off here. You don't there's no one really in the state of Louisiana that knows Ed Orgeron better. Now that Miles Brennan is out, what do you think he's where do you think he's leaning to with these two freshman quarterbacks moving forward up into Saturday's game? Well, you know, without access to the practice sessions and not seeing it, he's gonna go with the guy that knows what he's doing more than the other. I mean, that, that's bottom line in this business. You just can't know what to do part of the time. You got to know what to do all the time. And I think that's going to be a big part of the evaluation here. Uh, Blake, I've always sort of felt uh, in just a lean because I've, you know, I've talked to Ed and he's praised both of them uh, as players. And, you know, he told me this a couple weeks back. Listen, Mike, I think I got two guys that can play at the NFL level. And, and PJ and Max, but because of Max's running skills, I think that may tip the scales a little bit. That may give him the advantage. 
And uh, Max was really not much of a runner, uh, per se, in high school. But, man, I, I've seen some of those practices. Man, he takes off running with it. Man, he, he's got some wheels on him. He can really roll. And so what TJ did, TJ lost some weight. He was like, wait a minute. I got to keep up with Max. <laughs> you know, Max, Max got some skills. I got to lose some weight. So uh, TJ told me he had lost 10 or 12 pounds. Uh, and TJ's a big man. And so, uh, I, I'll, Blake, I'm going to just lean this way and say that I think it's going to be Max. Uh, because he gives you that threat of a run. And the one thing South Carolina is going to do, and I would do against LSU, is stack the line of scrimmage. Mm. I would dare you to throw it. Okay? Uh, freshman quarterback? Okay, I get it. I'm daring you to throw it downfield. If I've got a guy that can run, uh, and Max can run the ball really well, Man, and you break the line of scrimmage, you got a lot of free area if you stacked it. So um, I, I'm gonna lean toward Max here, and uh, and I think the big kind of tip for me is Max's ability to run the football. Well, Mike, you bring up a good point, and a lot of people have been asking this question this week, and I think it's fair: is that if it is Max Johnson, the RPO game that was really successful for LSU last year. If they do go to Max and something that he's able to do and running the football, a lot of fans have been asking for John Emery. Would he be a guy that should be alongside of Max Johnson to try to help him out in the running game with this RPO-style offense? Um, I've chewed on a certain person's ear about this. But, you know, again, I just got one opinion. That you got to find one bell cow back and ride him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it's great to try to say, okay, I got three starting backs, but you end up with one guy, okay, and the other two guys are going to be hungry when they're going to play. They they won't see playing time, but you got to make a choice here. You got to make a choice of one guy, and I think that you know that guy's John Emory Jr. Now. A lot of people have pointed that finger. Oh, you bias because John played sort of in your backyard at Destrahan. Well, I might be, but I knew the one thing. John Emery can play. He's got great hands coming out the backfield. I didn't like him trying to catch it one-handed. Come on, you got two hands. Grab the ball out in the uh, flat. But uh, I, I think John's the guy. And I think the close second is Tyron Davis-Price. Mm-hmm. I, I think Tyron is nipping at his heels. Right now, and so uh, this is just my opinion. You can do this running back by committee stuff, and it does work. But you got to have one guy you hang your hat on and you ride him. And I think that guy's going to be Emory. The other thing too is you got to make a you got to make a choice at left tackle. And right now you got to go with Cameron Wire. You you, you got to put him in the starting lineup. Uh, he, he's your better left tackle right now than than what you've seen out of, you know, a guy who I think is very talented, but man, uh, Cam to me has played better. And I think he deserves to start at left tackle. Mike, you're preaching to the choir and look, we've been talking about Cam wire going out to left tackle or being somewhere inside the starting lineup on that offensive line because of how well he played against Vandy and the times that he even came in at guard against Missouri. I'm right there with you. On that, the great, the legend, the Louisiana man himself, 
Mike Detillier is our guest. MikeDetillier.com slash SaintsReport.com. And you can get all of his stuff right there on Twitter as well, at Mike Detillier. Mike, we have a couple questions inside of Facebook Live. Dylan Landry asks, hashtag ask Mike, what should the defense do this week to clean it up? And what are you expecting moving forward from this LSU uh, defense under Bo Pelini? Well, one of the things I know is uh, is a burr under the backside of Coach O is that they haven't stopped the run. Mm-hmm. When you watch that Vandy tape, Vandy ran the football pretty good against LSU. And uh, Missouri, man, they had holes that I couldn't run through. And, and I'm an old pops in this deal. <laughs> so my thing about it is you got to stop the run, and that's first and foremost in this business. I don't care what you want to talk about pitch and catch part of the game. Not everybody's Mississippi State. you got to stop the run. And I think that means a lot more Joe Evans in the lineup. And I think Joe may get that start also uh, inside a defensive tackle. Uh, and you got your linebackers got to show up. Okay, it's not occasionally. Your linebacker goes to show how much this football team really missed Jacob Phillips and Patrick Queen. Mm. Okay. You you can say next man up, but that next man, you know, he ain't ready for prime time yet. But he better be because he's fixing to get put in that particular position. I think one of the things coaching is teaching, mm-hmm. and teaching is all about understanding what your classroom can get. I'm a big believer that you know in this real awkward off-season like we've never seen before, and it's a lot of Zoom meetings and everything else, you know, you can teach offense that way. It's about concept, and and it's about understanding where you got to go. But the physical reaction part is defense. And you don't get that on no damn Zoom meeting. (laughs) You got to play it. That's right. That, that's all I know. You, you, you can talk about this all you want. And the people that say, well, it's just LSU. No, it's not. Have you watched Florida play? Have you watched Alabama play? Now, the second half against Georgia, Alabama got two turnovers, and they had got a couple stops. But Alabama's defense, they, they ain't stopping too many people either. And people say, oh, well, it's the defensive coordinator. All I know is his boss is the greatest defensive mind in college football. If he could have easily fixed it, he'd have done it long ago. That's Look what's right. happening at A&M. Ain't, ain't they paying Elko $2 million a year? <laughs> Who are you stopping? Okay, we don't want to face a lot of people a certain age do not want to face reality that this has hit the SEC like it has the Pac-12, the Big Ten, ACC, Big 12. This, this game has changed forever. And and I and I've been I saw this and I wrote about it four years ago because I've seen it happen at some of these camps. It's a personnel issue, and a lot of times coaches, old school wise, they try to force feed what they know to players, and sometimes it doesn't work, and you got to peel that back. So I think you'll see a little bit more zone coverage than what you've seen in the past. But here's my thing about zone coverage. If you got a quarterback that knows where to go with the football, that zone coverage don't mean squat. 
They will eat you alive. Last year, the same people complained about Bo Pelini today were complaining about Dave Aranda a year ago. Playing too soft, zone coverage. We ought to be more man. Not a you man. We ought to be more zone. Okay, tells you one thing. You got to know what you're doing. And, and that's about teaching and coaching. You got to be able to teach players what to do on every play. And again, I think that's why the offenses, not only in college football and the pros, have had huge advantages because they have not practiced it. There's a lot of mental mistakes. And one of the things I don't see done or taught anymore, and you saw, we had Pete Jenkins on with us. God bless him, old papa. Uh, he came on with us Monday night with Bobby Jay and I, and he's saying one thing I told Nick, you know, before they played Al- uh, Georgia, tell your linemen to get their hands up in the air. Because with these RPO plays, and you got a little shorter quarterback, he if that linebacker reads it's a pass, okay, I'll just run the football in that big lane. But if he reads it that it's a run, and he's shooting up the lane, that quarterback just throws the football right over the top. Get your linemen to put their hands up in the air. And, and watch that Alabama-Georgia game. They had three knockdowns at the line of scrimmage in the second half. So that's a lot. If it was just one thing, Blake, it would be easy to fix. But what you've seen is physical errors, mental errors, scheme errors, and there is something about a shared experience on that football field mm-hmm. for a group. And they don't have it. They've not been in that spot. And somebody got to take over. Okay, you got to find an alpha dog that's saying this isn't going to happen anymore. Okay, last year, after that Ole Miss game, they had about three or four of those alpha dogs barking at all the guys that, hey, this ain't happening to us anymore. And it got fixed real quickly. I think you'll find out a lot about your football team against South Carolina and leadership. And guys saying, hey, we, ain't, we are not going to be embarrassed uh, against South Carolina. And so if it was one thing, like it would be easy to fix. But it's not just one thing. I do think you'll see more uh, zone coverage concepts. I do think you will see personnel moves on the defensive side of the football, especially in the front seven. And... Um, a bigger emphasis on get your arms up in the air when they're going to throw the ball. Don't give him that lane to throw it downfield. And it's uh, funny, Jenkins and I noticed the same thing that happened Saturday. Alabama's defensive lineman in the second half, like somebody got in that locker room, they put your arms up in the air. You got a six-foot-tall quarterback. God bless Bennett. Man, listen, he's a feel-good story. But, man, he found out they got some giants out on that field. And Alabama had a few of them that made a difference in that second half, along with what they got in the passing game, which is terrific. Mike, you brought up a great point, and I don't know where I heard you say this. And talking about defenses and guys that are transitioning, and I hope I don't butcher it here, but you talked about a guy like Arik Gilbert who's now playing tight end. When you used to do camps and you used to go around the country and scout these guys, 
That guy used to play defensive tackle, defensive end. Do you think that that has a lot to do with it as well, especially from the defensive line aspect uh, that we've seen? Blake, I've told this story before. Uh, We were at a a pitch and catch camp, and uh, they had over, you know, because Louisiana down here, especially at Nichols State, has has three unbelievable camps. We had the pro football combine camp here. We had over 500 kids attend one year. And um, I, I just so happened to get in front of, you know, they tweet, tweet, tweet with the whistle. Defensive uh, tackles go here. Offensive linemen go here. Uh, wide receivers, y'all go in this section. Man, almost got run over. Uh, over 500 kids, 88 wide receivers. Okay, we got wow. 500 kids. Okay, and, you know, you see these guys that are six two and a half, six three, six four. And I'd walk up to them. I was like, man, and, you know, and, you know, they were like, oh, Mr. Mike, hey. And I was like, man, you play on defense? Oh, no, sir. Oh, no, no, no sir. Uh, I, I play wide receiver. I'll play flex tight end. Never, some of them have never played defense. Never. Okay, so when they blew the whistle, tweet, tweet, I wish I'd have been in front of the defensive ends. They had about eight guys going to section. Okay, so now it's becoming a personnel issue. And, Blake, the other thing to watch is, would you want to play linebacker today? No. Nope. In, in college <laughs> or pro football? It's the hardest position to play on defense. Why is are these RPO plays? Okay, if I read the quarterback is going to stick that ball in the belly of a running back, and I roll up the field, you know what he does? He turns around, he pulls that ball out, and he throws the ball right over the top of me, over the middle, and they got a free man running. Okay, if I drop in coverage, and here's the thing, you spread me out four wide receivers or three in a tight end, and they run the football while I'm in coverage, he got a lane that you could drive a semi-truck through because the linebackers aren't together anymore. They spread out. So. I heard last week all about this great Georgia defense and how, you know, Alabama would find out how it would be to play against a great defense, number one defense in the SEC, one of the top defenses in college football. They got crushed. I saw this script already. I saw the SEC championship game last year. You got crushed against Alabama. Man, to play linebacker today is so, so difficult because of the RPO system. And you can say, well, he got to read it better. Read what? When I can yank the ball out of the belly of a running back and I can just take, and I just take one step back and throw it, I don't have a lot of room to read. So it's, it's pressure points, lack of great pass rushers, a lot of uh, defensive backs put on islands, and crossing patterns, which was always been a part of the game, has now turned into a huge part of the game where I got him, I got him, now I turn him over to the safety. Guess what? That safety's run up the field. He, he buys the eye candy on the fake, and he's running up the field. And it happens not only in college, but in the pros. So I think it's a pivotal game for both to get his defense right, and to get him some confidence because that's what's about this game. It's about doing the same thing like what you do on the air or I do on the air. 
the more you do it, the more confidence you get in that you can do it well. And it's the same thing with players. But it's a shared experience that we all doing this together, the 11 guys. And they don't have a lot of shared experiences between any of them other than they shared a pandemic in the <laughs> spring and the summer. Right. That's all they shared. And so uh, I, I'm, I'm really interested the mental part for both teams this week. South Carolina coming off a huge win against Auburn. They had struggled with Auburn. Uh, they got a couple of huge turnovers. Well, buddy, Joe Horn, his son, JC, got a couple of them and set up, uh, set up a short field to run the football and how they'll react to success. Because, you know, they haven't been in this spot. And listen, if I'm a better today and I don't know anything more than the rest of the guys, LSU's without their starting quarterback. Their defense has been riddled. South Carolina comes off a big win against Auburn, and I get points. Mm-hmm. But but if it looks too good to be true, it's too good to be true. <laughs> That's, That's right. the way I look at it. If it's too good, man, listen, I work with some of the biggest gamblers in the world uh, <laughs> before and after, so to speak. And so I, I this is going to be an interesting game mentally for both teams and how they handle it mentally. Mike Dettelier is our guest. MikeDettelier.com slash SaintsReport.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Dettelier. Mike, I got to ask you at least one or two questions about the Saints. Something I thought that I've had all week is that Joe Brady, as all these LSU fans know, and Saints fans know too, is now the offensive coordinator at Carolina. It seems that since we've been breaking down the statistics, during the week, these offenses are kind of similar and mirror images when you look at the statistics part of it. What are you looking for in this game coming up uh, Sunday, and what's something that Saints fans need to be watching out for and keeping their eyes on? Well, similar to LSU, uh, one of the things you can't do is give up the big play. Make them earn every inch of yardage on the field. Teddy Bridgewater is not known to be a deep ball passer. And so make him earn it. And I, I do think you can't give up the big play. The second thing is you got to show patience with the running game. And I've used this stat over and over. When Sean Payton has run the football uh, 30 times or more in the game, he's 75 wins and four losses. Oh, wow. That ain't opinion. That's fact. And so um, – I do know one thing, Joe, when they hired him, Sean brought him in because he wanted to know a lot more about the RPO systems in college. And now every, every team in the NFL has one of those guys. That's why he hired Joe to bring him in to work the RPO system and some concepts of college that matches the pro game today. And they do have similar styles, similar things. And he, Listen, he, he spent more time with Sean than, than most people could have possibly imagined. Now, Bobby and I would give him a lot of grief because, you know, he was always out to practice. Nobody knew who Joe Brady was with the Saints, and we would always be asking about, hey, when you going to Popeye's Fried Chicken or when you going to the <laughs> uh, donut shop for Sean? And he, and, he, and he would sort of wave us, 
He would start a wave us off. But, man, listen, I know one thing. You working for Peyton. You, there ain't no 9 to 5 job. No, he was there at 5.30 in the morning. He's working at till 9.30, 10 o'clock at night, cutting up Peyton. And so he knows what Sean likes to do offensively very well. And he brought that concept to LSU. And one of the things Ed told me last year was, you know, we want to be a 50-50 team running past. Now, it was real close. Now, if you look at it, it was, it was awfully close. And I think that's one of the things that Joe wants to bring to Carolina, to be a very balanced football team. When the Saints have been balanced, they've been winners. They've been a winning football team. It's when Drew throws the ball 45 times and they run it 18. That's when they get beat. So, uh, but, but Joe knows Sean real well, put it to you that way. And as much kidding as he got about it, uh, you know, his main job with the Saints was really to bring in some of the college concepts and Sean would take a look at and see if he couldn't incorporate uh, in the pro game and, they did. They, they got about seven to seven plays that they ripped right out of a college playbook. And then Joe took probably 10 or 12 plays from Sean and put it in LSU's playbook. Mm-hmm. Mike, last question here. And you're, you're on a, something that I've been kind of debating on the show. You know, we do it nightly. Sean was a little vocal last year about saying that he told Joe Brady not to go to LSU, and he was like, well, what do I know? And even in the draft, they go up and trade in the seventh round to get a quarterback that Joe Brady is very familiar with. Do you think that Sean, and I, I, I say this because Sean can be a little <laughs> passive-aggressive, at least, you know, just with the media and on social media. Do you think that this is a game that he's kind of wanting to go out there and kind of flex his muscle to show the young, the young buck, so to speak, that, hey, daddy, this is still my offense, and and you need to – I don't really know the words here, Mike, but daddy's still on top, if that makes sense. Yeah, and Sean's got a little bit of an ego. Listen, we all got one. Sean got one, too. And, um, you know, this – Sean almost takes it personal. Uh, he, he did that when he went up against Bill Parcells. Uh, he's done that when he's went up against Mike Zimmer. Uh, when Mike, you know, Mike was a defensive coordinator in Dallas when Sean was the offensive coordinator. Now, he had not a lot of success against Zimmerman that way. But, uh, you know, I think for Sean, he does take it personally. And, you know, one of the things, when you've got an assistant coach and you want to keep him, you know, he knew he had something special with Joe Brady. I think he, he doesn't say that, but I think he knew it. And so I think, you know, like any other boss, man, I'm going to do everything I can to keep you here, you know. Uh, But it was a great opportunity for Joe um, to get put in a situation, too, where he knew the talent that he was going to get a senior quarterback, a very talented wide receiver group. Uh, He he wasn't sure about the offensive line play, and he wasn't sure about what they're going to have at at running back. Uh, Clyde had not been – who had been a good player, but he hadn't been a great player up until last year. But he knew since his job was the pitching catch part of the game, man, I know I got something here. But, yeah, that's no question. Sean wants to win this game in the worst way 
to, to beat Joe Brady. I don't think there's any doubt about it that there is that that part of him that wants to say, hey, um, the teacher knows more than the student. He's Mike Dettelier, the absolute best in the business. Mike, you've absolutely crushed it as always, and the fans are absolutely going nuts saying that we got to bring you back on, and, and, and we certainly will. Mike, tell everybody where they can catch all of your stuff and where they can follow you on social media as well. Uh, you can go on MikeDetaglia.com, uh, SaintsReport.com. Also, I'm uh, involved with the SI Saints uh, News Network there also. And so uh, one thing to watch in this game, uh, and I do think that this may be that sort of game Eric Gilbert maybe shows up in a big, big manner. Mm. Maybe you got a little inside information there, huh, Mike D? <laughs> and maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> You're the best, my man. I appreciate it, and we'll talk soon. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it, Blake. Take All care, right. buddy. You too, man. That's Mike Dettelier. Guys, what a hell of a show. Former LSU quarterback and Major League Baseball player uh, Josh Booty on in the in the first half, and then the great, the absolute legend Mike D. <laughs> I'm still tripping <laughs> about what he just said there at the end. Maybe I do, but maybe I don't. <laughs> but I'm with him there about Eric Gilbert. Uh, guys, look, cool. That's got to be our best show today. That's got to be our best show today. Let's see. Daryl says, I always enjoy listening to Mike. Always great insight. Hell yeah, man. He's just so great at everything that he does. Look at my mama right there. Great show. I appreciate it. Jordan Wilkinson, my man. We're all thinking about you too, brother. I appreciate that. Blaine Smith says, great show, Grand Slam. And Dylan Landry, uh, hell of a show tonight, B. Well done. We appreciate all of you. Uh Really, guys? I mean, there's not a lot else I can say. Uh, these guys really broke it down uh, uh, to its infancy about what we could see from LSU on Saturday and what we will see from the Saints on Sunday. So it's going to be interesting. I agree with pretty much every – well, actually, everything that they said. Uh, Mike D broke it down on both sides. That And look, something that we've been talking about from the beginning, from the beginning – it's not always scheme with LSU in this defense. It's a lot of personnel, and these guys have to go out there and fight. So, guys, what a fantastic show. We're hitting up on the hour. So, we will see you guys tomorrow. Former LSU pitcher and a guy. We got some big news coming. We got some big news coming. But former LSU pitcher Zach Pearson, as always, is going to be joining us on Thursdays. But until then, knuckleheads, y'all have a good night. And let's go watch some World Series baseball. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.